Hello and welcome to another episode of So Fly. It's uh, the middle of June and we're back in the studio today um, recording another podcast. Uh, my name is Mitch and we've got Yelma here. Hey everyone, Yelma's here. And we've got uh, somebody on the phone today actually with us. She doesn't need much of an introduction, but April Vokey is a world-renowned angler. Um, she's famous for her fly fishing passions. She's also a podcast host, an entrepreneur, a writer, a mother, um, and an inspiration to so many anglers around the world. We're really excited to be chatting with her today. April, how's it going? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm walking around the yard trying to find a place that doesn't sound like water. (laughs) Water everywhere. Hang on, I'm almost there. Yeah, no worries. It's all good. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, you guys. It's really cool to be on someone else's podcast. That's right. Yeah, you have your own podcast, eh? That's correct. Anchored with April Vokey. If you don't listen, check it out online. Oh, thanks. So, Yeah, um, sorry for people listening. I, I was just telling these guys before we started rolling, I'm just getting over a very nasty bug so i sound like i'm either like 200 years old or a smoker or both but <laughs> not just sick just sick yeah and thanks so much for uh, for coming on uh, even if you're under the weather it's uh, it's really really means a lot to us for sure absolutely yeah you bet so uh before we jump into some conversation whereabouts are you calling from today well right now i am in chilliwack british columbia right on and then back on the road again tomorrow going up to our place in northern bc Oh, wow. That's amazing. How long are you going up there for? Not long enough. Um, this is a really <laughs> short trip. Usually it's, you know, five months of the year, but this particular trip's being cut short. We've got a uh, sick dog back in Australia, so oh, no. trying to get back, trying to get all the obligatory stuff done before we get back to him. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, you're, so you spent some time in Australia, sort of between Australia and BC, eh? Yeah. So we do half and half. Okay. Um, or I do half and half, and my husband tries to get to BC when he can. Yeah. But now that we have a baby, it's just a little more hectic. But um, because he wants us, he doesn't want us gone that long, obviously. But yeah. But yeah, we go anyway. So it just makes him, you know, stay on his toes. Yeah, yeah. How old's your baby now? She's a year and a half. Right on. Okay. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. Do you have kids? No, I've got none, and neither does Yelma. We're both, uh, yeah, kidless. I'm his baby. Yeah, Yelma is a bit of a okay. baby, so it's, <laughs> it works out well. <laughs> um, no, they're great. They're excellent. I can't say enough good things. I was the person who was like, meh, I don't know if it's for me. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. I've never lost so much in my life. I've seen. I've actually saw an article about, um, well, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but you on the river with, with your baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard about that article. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty cool taking your uh, baby fishing. It's uh, well, we'll talk about it later for sure. But I guess just sure. to sort of kick things off, um, when did you start fly fishing? Like, how did your fly fishing story begin? Ooh, well, I didn't start with fly fishing. I started with conventional fishing. Yeah. Um, like most people around here do, and you know, just started. I mean, caught a lot of salmon and was looking for something a little bit different. And saw these guys fly fishing on the Chilliwack River one day, and I was upset. It was just so beautiful and looked so cool. So, of course, I had to try it, and um, that was it. Once I got my heart or my mind set on it, I was obsessed. What was it about fly fishing that kind of grabbed you? It just looked really, really romantic. That sounds so cliche, but it really did, you know? And, yeah. yeah. Um, just rhythmic, and it, it reminded me of that, that crazy Olympic sport that probably shouldn't be an Olympic sport where they have, like, the ribbons in the air. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. And I was looking for something new. I'd, I'd already, you know, I'd started on spin. I was very, very, um, like, I, I'd been doing a ton of uh, fishing with bait casters. So I was yeah. quite, I don't want to say I was skilled, but I was pretty skilled on the bait caster. So I was <laughs> looking for the next thing. And I started fishing a center pin. And fly fishing was just kind of like that one next step. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you started bait, bait casting and kind of more conventional way at it and fly fishing Grabbed you. Do you remember what your first fish on a fly rod was? I think you were saying you fly fished for salmon a lot of the time. Well, you know, actually, fly fishing for salmon proved quite hard. Um, I was my first fish on a fly was a trout. Oh wow! Oh yeah, oh, which like trout? A, a rainbow trout. Nice. A, a rainbow trout. Yeah, I mean, trout are I, I find a lot easier because they actually eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Salmon on the fly can be really difficult, and of course, salmon fishing brings out a bunch of people who are there to harvest, and rightfully so, and yeah. so. There's not as much space, and yeah. So I think I started out with trout, and then I think I 
almost dove immediately into fly fishing for steelhead before I caught any salmon at that point. Oh, wow. Awesome. Do, do you remember the story behind your first trout catch or your first steelhead catch? Even? Yeah, more exciting yeah. than steelhead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the trout was cool at eight, yippee, but the steelhead was super cool. I tied myself, a, it was east, it was winter steelhead, so it was like around Easter time, and I tied this um, blue, yellow, pink Easter egg fly and went down to the um, Better River Channel, like the canal. So it's um, usually like a kind of a bait spot, and these bait guys had already gone through it. And hmm. They kind of laughed at me that I, you know, not not maliciously, but they kind of chuckled like, good luck. Yes. And I went through behind them, and I guess a different presentation with this crazy-ass fly. Exactly. I got my first steal it. I was so proud of myself. I was so proud of myself. Oh, that's so awesome. Did the did the other, did yeah. those guys that passed you by, did they see by any chance? Were they like hanging yeah, around? Yeah. Yeah. A couple guys, a couple guys saw. Nobody came to help or anything, but when I walked out, there was a bit of a nod of just like, yeah. Respect. Nice. We saw. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's so good. <laughs> oh man, Steelhead. We, we love Steelhead out in Ontario. And I mean, out here, we're just fishing the Great Lakes Steelhead, which is kind of a different fish. Um, have you ever had the chance to fly fish for those? Yeah, yeah. Look, it depends on the region, right? Like, I'm, I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, duh, if it doesn't go to the ocean, it's not a naturalist, it's yeah. not a steelhead. Um, no, I, I mean, look, I've had a spectacular Great Lakes steelhead, like in Michigan. Those fish are amazing. And then I've had absolute shit, you know, Great Lake fish that are just, yeah, not nothing that impressive. Yeah. So, But it's the same thing in British Columbia. I've had incredible fish that are what you think of when you think of wild steelhead. And I've had really lazy fish too. I think so much of it is dependent on the fish estate and uh, the time of the year, water temperature, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, that's the thing we've been seeing. We, I mean, we've followed you for a long time and seen pictures of, you know, your steelhead out West and they look like just amazing fish. Um, definitely some place to go out and check that out one day. Yeah. Oh, you haven't done it yet. Haven't done it yet. Nope, no, I haven't done it yet. No. Ah, but you guys are, you're Canadian. Yep. We are. Yeah. We're in Toronto yet. Ah, well, you just have to come out. There's oh, no yeah. excuse. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, we're gonna definitely make our way out there. Yeah, one of my good friends. And no kids. Yeah, come <laughs> no, on, you guys. You <laughs> literally have got no excuse. Yeah, I know it's so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what, what were you saying? You're saying one of your kid, one of your friends. Yeah, no, I was saying one of my friends, uh, Dan Bannister. He's uh, he's from out west, and he keeps chirping me and saying, you know, like you guys need to come out. You know, I, I love the the on- Ontario steelhead and. Um, I get it, but you need to come out west, and he's invited us a bunch of times, so we just have to take him up on it and get out there. You, you should, yeah. 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 And you know, honestly, it's I don't know how much longer it's going to be around for. It's, yeah, things yeah. have changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are some of the issues facing like BC steelhead right now? Oh God, where to start? Um, I mean, I think in, in the, with the biologists I've been speaking to, it's pretty hard to deny ocean survival in a lot of these situations. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, bycatch is a real big problem Yeah. with, you know, getting in the way of other fisheries. I think that there's a solution for that in um, impoundment, like pound nets and pound traps. But right. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're actually going to move forward with that. I hope they do. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty tough for these fish. I mean, God, they go through so much already. And then, you know, yeah. humans getting in the way. I mean. Is there, um... Yeah, it makes me. Co- I'm constantly questioning myself and my own decisions and my own choices with them. So, yeah. um, I've definitely taken a step back. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I still do a lot of fishing. I like being out there, but I, I have less focus of on you know catching. Well, it depends. Mm-hmm. If I have the baby, I'm usually excited to get one to share it with her, and then mm-hmm. I go home. And if it's kind of just my time, then I'm usually put on a dry fly and just kind of enjoy my day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, sort of a more casual way of fishing and just kind of taking it easy and yeah, and and going easy on the fish. I mean, it's sort of similar out here. Like when it gets too hot, a lot of people don't fish for trout just because it's not doesn't seem like a great idea. I mean, the fish can't survive. Not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. You know, so that's really interesting. Yeah, I think that we need to be a little more conscious of that. I think that this whole you know number 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 game is it's an old game, and I think that we really need to. Um, ask ourselves why we might feel the need to catch numbers, and if it's really, like, is it really necessary? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, hundred percent. Do you see that kind of culture manifesting out west? Yes. No. Depends on the age of the person and and any um, other motives, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, for a lot of, it depends. You know, I've, I know old guys who have 
never been on the internet in their lives and they still want to catch 10 fish a day. And I know um, people who are literally on the internet only for social media following and, and they're quite content to just catch, catch one. So I, I can't, I'm having a really hard time. It's all over you know, the place. Figuring out who, yeah, it's all over the map. I can't figure it out. But that's not really my job. I mean, it's everyone's. I, you know, I just have to can focus on all I can do is focus on myself and the message I'm passing on to my own family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the education that you're putting out there, and hoping that people can sort of, you know, um, understand and make their own decisions based on that. Yeah, I mean, that's really all you can do is mm-hmm. try to share the experience as a whole and hope that it, you know, that it's appealing to them. And then just the biology side of things is, you know, that's why I have the podcast is to share a message. And yeah, exactly. It's really nice to be able to put people on the show who have the numbers, right? Like you can be an inspiration all you want and say it's wonderful. And the environment's going through a rough time. Don't catch very many fish. But to get someone on the show who really knows their stuff and to be like, this is what it used to be. This is what it is. And this is what, this is what the solution is. And, and to be able to offer, you know, proof or facts or numbers, that's really what we need. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's interesting that, that um, I mean, it, it takes me sort of to the space of talking about like almost fishing influencers in a way and, and Instagram pages and things like that. I mean, um, just thinking about it that way, it gives it gives Instagram pages a lot of um, almost recognition when people have a platform to to sort of spread some good like <clears throat> like yourself. You, you've got tons of people that, that kind of look up to you on, on Instagram and online um, and spreading that message is pretty important. Yeah, I think a lot of what we can spread with messages is as simple as by what you don't show. Like, right. you know, I, I don't feel the need to post every fish photo. And for me, rather than, see, I didn't want to get on there and be like, you guys shouldn't be catching as many fish. Yeah. So I thought, well, that's what, what I'll do is I just won't post as many fish. Yeah. yeah. And try to show that, you know, like, uh, are those chimes in it? Let me move away from the chimes. Yeah. It's just, there's so many noises. Sorry, give me one sec. Oh, it's okay. No worries. No um, problem. Yeah, I mean, I think that we can we can we can show a lot um, and inspire a lot of people by by maybe what we don't show on the internet. But it's a fine, but like it's always a fine line, you know. It's like you have to balance between. Um, I just had this conversation with a guest not that long ago. You have to balance between staying relevant mm-hmm. um, and you know by showing, hey, look, I still am out fishing. Because uh, yeah. when I, I made the decision to not post as many fish pictures a few years ago. Like quite quite a few years ago, far far like way before I had a baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't realize that it was, you know, like that there was. Long story short, I sat in on a business meeting, and they were like, "Yeah, so you're kind of the, like maybe not as relevant because you're not posting as many fish pictures," and that really threw me off because, mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not posting as many fish pictures because I want people to focus on the experience, not the fish. Yeah, but if I'm going to lose the attention and the ears, because remember, that's what I want. I'm here for people's ears for the podcast because all of my podcasts have a message in them. And so I want their ears. And if I have people following me on social, I have their ears or I have the potential, the the ability to get to their ears. And so I don't want to lose their attention. So I need to constantly have some appeal, but not so much that it, it, you know, compromises my integrity and what my actual message is. Yeah. So it's just a balance. It's constantly, you know, tiptoeing around the system that is what it is today, which is a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I know what you mean. Like we, we talk about it all the time, like, you know, what, what we're trying to do too and, and the podcast and Instagram and stuff and trying to find that balance of, you know, um, posting things and trying to trying to connect like all good intention things and then the opposite that sort of can happen because of all that, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, it's really scary. Um, yeah. It's really scary. We're in a, a very interesting time and place but i think i think as long as we just go into it knowing what our motives are and what our intentions are then um i mean really what else can you do right yeah no absolutely um for those people that don't know what what is anchored sort of all about i mean what's what's the general idea behind the show yeah yeah so it's obviously i'm proud of it it's my like baby Mm -hmm. Uh, i i get to i well some time back i had a television show and and on the show, I really was celebrable. The purpose of the show was to try to draw parallels between Atlantic salmon fishing in the UK and um, the history of how a lot of those techniques came to be in Canada. Yeah. But long story short, to get those stories, I had to speak to a lot of older people. And I realized that their stories were like unbelievable. And a lot of them weren't documented. And these people 
don't have social media. And so a lot of their stories were just dying. And and when I went out with the show, the, these hour and a half long interviews were being edited down to like an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. I thought, you know what, I'm going to make a podcast and I'm going to be able to preserve these stories. So the purpose of the show is to preserve our history is really what it is. And it's really cool when you listen to all the stories, everyone's timeline kind of like intersects with, with one or in, it, yeah, it, they, they all kind of work yeah, together. Yeah. So you can really draw the lines where the industry swayed and turned through the yeah. course of time. Oh no, that's super cool. I mean, podcasts are an absolutely great way to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. They don't feel rushed. I love podcasts. That's, love that's what the show is. I mean, sometimes I play around with it. I, I'm big into bow hunting. So sometimes there's um, other people in the outdoors on there, but yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just preservation is what it is. Yeah. It's actually funny. I, um, I'm thinking back now, just, uh, it was quite a while ago, but there was a, I actually heard you on a podcast called, um, I think it was called fly fishing on the web. Do you remember that by any chance? Oh, that's so old. I was so angry <laughs> when I did that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing that like a long, long time ago. Um, but it's funny that you go back that far and even, and to the start of podcast and fly fishing, get into the podcast world. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. This, I remember being so angry because I was on there too. We were going through major strife when I guided on the deep mm-hmm. and we really needed all the help. I mean, the last two seasons I guided there was, I think I was, I was damn near married on my last season, but I just, I was there to, I made these journals so that we could, um, record fish data when the net, like they were doing this netting in region eight. Anyway, long story short, I was trying to, um, use the guides on the lower river. There were four of us who were there full time. So yeah. it was, we were the perfect people to use as data to be able to know exactly what was going on. And so I was there for all these reasons that I, were good. You know, I wasn't there yeah. for any of the reasons. And, um, I got shit. I got grief for going on the podcast because people thought I was there to promote fly fishing on the Dean, but I was actually there to, to promote the conservation problems we were having and to right. see if we could like strum up, you know, get the community together, which yeah. we did, by the way. But oh, great. Um, that's why I was so angry on that. If I sound angry, people listening, if I sound angry, I was. And that's why, because I was getting grief for trying to have the right message. That's fun. No, I, I, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, absolutely sounded like you were just passionate about um, fighting for that cause. And uh, no, it was a great, I think it was a great episode and it, it, it was definitely um, something worth listening to. And I mean, you've been an activist oh, for, for your rivers for so long. Like, um, can we talk a little bit about Pebble Mine? Because I think that's come up recently again in the news, eh? Excuse <laughs> me, yeah, it has. Um, you know, like, I'm, not, I'm not an activist. I, I, I wish I was a proper activist. I'm, right. I'm not. Um, I'm, a, I'm a medium. I'm like an in-between person for getting the message out. But right. If I was really fantastic and worthy of any praise, like I was, I had a company recently or a non-profit, some people wanted to nominate me for an award. Yeah. And it was like, look, I'm really flattered, but let's, let me nominate people who are really worthy of this award. And she's like, well, yeah, can you send this over a few? And, and you really see like on paper, when I send over the real activists, like the real people who deserve it, mm. you see, I really don't do shit, but <laughs> I do try to act as a medium for the people who do um, actively participate in right. saving these places. So on that note with, with um, Pebble Mine, that's what's going on right now. Um, I, I, I sit on the board with the Wild Salmon Center. And so uh, we had just had a discussion about just the intricacies and the logistics and the power behind Pebble Mine and I was mind blowing. I mean, it is talk about feeling like a little fish. It is a real big, big problem. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with it right now? I mean, like, I don't I, know. I, I live in British Columbia, so yeah. it's not as like, obviously it matters. And, and I found out actually recently that it's a Canadian company in there. Oh, I don't really? know if you lovely Canadians knew that, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I know that it's something that needs a lot of support. I know that it's something at the Wild Salmon Center because mm-hmm. I've got to read my. I've been too sick to read. Oh no! Of they course. just had a big meeting and they, they sent me all the papers. But um, I know that it's something that there was a recent. Yeah. Um, they just got kind of beat out because politics and money always. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's crazy. I, the, like... I think the voting process is still open. At when are you guys planning on airing this? Um, pro, uh, in a, two days. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, the wildsalmoncenter.org yeah. has a um, a signing uh, page. If you go on there and just cast your, just write like a two-liner explaining why it's a bad idea. Yeah, okay, cool. Cool, yeah. And well, why is it a bad idea? Well, I, there, uh, 
let me count thy ways. Like is, yeah. is, it's just too fragile of an ecosystem to be putting that in there. Yeah. But they keep trying. But yeah, I'm not your, per- I'm, I'm not the right person to ask that. I'm definitely um, not as focused on, on that as I should be because I am focused in Canada. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I just keep seeing it come up in the news and I know it's just been this ongoing thing. It's just weird that there's this sort of um, thing that always seems to happen where it's this battle between, you know, some kind of uh, big capitalist uh, sort of endeavor and then like protecting our rivers. And it's, it's interesting that, I mean, do you think that we should be as fly, as fly anglers, like a, a sort of spokespeople for the rivers fighting for the rivers? Yes, absolutely. I think if we're not doing that, then we do, are not worthy of being on the river. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in history, every single person who's taken from the resource has given back to it Yeah, or been willing to fight for it, you know, and, and who are we? We just let chance tr- out there, take a catch a couple of fish, take a bunch of photos and, and go home and don't give back. Don't even get me started on this one because like <laughs> people who guide and don't give back or yeah. who aren't involved or who aren't, you know, contributing either their time or their money back just it really gets me going Mm -hmm. no it's fair i mean it's definitely yeah that's something that everybody should be trying to do right i mean well you you have a company called fly gal um you started that how long ago did you start that one uh 2007 okay and fly gal is like what's the mission behind fly gal that's that's your guiding service well it's just a guiding it was you know i don't guide anymore but i actually have sold fly gal since then but at the time um, it was a guiding company and I was a 1% for the planet member and yeah. just contributed, you know, donated 1%. And yeah, I mean, it hurt at the end of the year a little bit, especially if you kind of forget that you've got that, you know, that money going out. But, but I slept well at night and I, and I understand not everybody has got money to give back. I totally appreciate that, but a little bit of time goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. So have you, so yeah, you said, relationship, right? Yeah, absolutely. With nature, so. Hmm. No, I think that's, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think as, as fly anglers, it's definitely our job. I mean, who else's job would it be to, yeah. to fight for the, for, the, for the environment and our rivers and our water? Mm-hmm. Um, you've hung up your guiding hat, eh? Yeah, yeah, big time. I guess. How long has it been? Three, four, four years? Maybe five years? Yeah. Do you miss it at all, or do you miss any elements of it? No, not even <laughs> a little bit of one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. No, look, I love guiding. I guided for 10 years. It was great. But I am a constant go, go, go. I can't sit still for one second. And, and I loved guiding my clients. But, you know, for, for like a lot of those clients I had for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. They don't want me standing side by side, step by step by step with them. So right. I'd be sitting on the bank just vibrating, being like, I need to do this. I could do this. Oh, my God. I could be doing <laughs> so many other things right now that are way more productive than this. Yeah. Right. You're not fishing. So, you know, if you have the illusion that you're going to be out there fishing as a guy, you're not. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it was great. And I made a lot of great relationships. But, no, I do not miss it. Right on. Right on. Um, you also started something called Flies for Fins. Is that you still have? Do you, is that still going right now? Uh, no, no, that's been out for a long time too. Only because I focus my energies, on, you know, my energy on raising money for other causes. But um, Flies for Fins was my first real uh, epiphany that I could do something. So I'd had my car. I had a had a bad car accident, and oh, I was lying on the couch. And honestly, I don't know if it was the drugs or God or what, but some, like there was this voice in my head that was like, you know. April, if you got a dollar from every person, what could you do for the world? I thought, well, yeah, but how am I going to get a dollar? Come on. Yeah. And the muse, whatever it was, was like, no, seriously, what if you got a fly from everybody? And Facebook had just started at that point. So I thought, ah, oh, I'm going to use it as this, as this platform. So I asked everybody to send me one fly. And of course, people sent out 10. And then I teamed up with various shops in the lower mainland. And we put the flies on a, I bought a bunch of like, um, cork boards and we put the flies there and then people bought flies for like three or four dollars a pop all the money went to Seal society bc and then i used facebook as like an auctioning service for the larger items so it'd be like hey everybody i'm gonna close comments at like midnight tonight so everybody would bid and then i'd shut down comments and then you'd win so we raised like 25 grand for or i in my Wow. in my wheelchair <laughs> raised 25 grand for the composite. So that was my real moment of like, I'm sick and alone and I'm like 20 in my early twenties and I was able to do this. What else can I do? So that was kind of the start of it all. Wow. Amazing. 
So since then, but it was just a ton of work. Okay, I mean, go yeah, ahead. no, it sounds like a ton of work. I mean, it's, yeah. I think it's just testament to your sort of your entrepreneurial spirit and that energy you were talking about earlier, sitting on the bank, thinking about all the things you could do. It's amazing. Like uh, that, they pulled that off. Yeah. And I mean, just, it was a real sense of community too. You know, it, I think if people, a lot of, some people listening to this might be going through a stage where they kind of lose faith in people because listen, we all go through those stages. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you're going through one of those stages where you just wonder, like, what's the point with people, mm-hmm. um, that it's a good, it's a really good thing to try is, is to just try doing something with the community to give back because it will restore your faith in people because you really realize that the community can do really great things when they pull together. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great insight. No, it's true. And yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah connecting like. Like, are there other examples of sort of experiences where you've seen the community pull together to sort of, um, you know, conquer an issue that that has been faced? Oh, so, so many, so many. I mean, we beat out Shell a few years back. I remember getting the call and damn near fainted. And that was just people pulling together and writing letters and lobbying. And I mean, obviously, you have to have people on the inside. And and a lot of people... Mm Like like me, I would feel really intimidated, especially in my especially in my early twenties, thinking, "Oh, but I need lawyers and politicians." But what I didn't realize is a lot of the people that I was pulling in from the community had those connections, and so all of a sudden you do start to pull in the support from the big time, the real influencers, you know, the people yeah. you really need on your team, mm-hmm. and um, and you can get stuff done. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, every single issue we every issue we've beat has been a community-based thing. Anything in particular? Um, I know when we hang up, I'll probably come up with a fun story. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, what was the issue no. um, with Shell going back to Shell? I mean, yeah, that seems like huge. a giant, yeah. a beast to conquer. Yeah, that was a that was a long time ago. They wanted to put in some. They wanted to come in and do a bunch of fracking right. in yeah. in yeah. BC's most endangered headwaters. Jesus. Yeah. So it was like the birthplace of the Stikine, the Nass, and the Skeena. Yeah. And they wanted to come in, and I can't remember how many, how many wells they wanted to put in, but it was like thousands. And, um, Shannon McPhail and the Skeena Watershed Conservation Coalition—they really pulled together and again used the community. I think they had, yeah, they had this gal. It's all kind of coming back to me now. They had this gal sk- swim the length of the Skeena to rally up the troops and Jesus. to get the community behind her. And, Whoa! <laughs> excuse me. Just yeah, I think community is is everything yeah. in a lot of these situations yeah i was just in tobago for christmas and a similar thing was happening with sandals i believe um maybe we'll edit this out i don't know if we can say that. but uh they were coming into uh, and going to be laying a uh, brick and mortar close to spawning uh bay for a lot of um the um tarpon i think was one bonefish and um what's the other one What's this? What's this all water fish? It's like a bass. No, no, not permit. The uh, it's it's all it hits like like a snook. Oh, it's snook. Snook? Yeah, Yeah. right. And uh, I think the locals rallied against them, and I think they're gonna move locations. But I'm like, it's such a you you have this island that is, you know, has so much space, yet you want to fight for that specific area where the fish are spawning. Like, just move. Just go somewhere else. Like, it's not a it's not a big deal. It should be a non um, issue should be a, a very common yeah. sense kind of thing. So it's just funny to see, but I think they did rally against it. And I think they're fighting and I think they did move locations. Yeah. And I mean, there's two important things there, right? Like compromise is important. I think a lot of people forget that, mm. especially really radical people forget that, that compromise is important and goes a long way, but yeah. also yeah. that you're going to lose, like, you know, for the person listening who, who does go and start something, you, there are going to be a lot of situations where you quote unquote, lose but you're not losing you're just becoming stronger for your next battle right yeah yeah I'm just, you, I'm just there's always, there are always going to be battles you're never going to win them all yeah, yeah. that's I, the thing i'm just actually looking at a, an article right now and it says sandals resorts international has canceled its project in tobago nice. so that's really good <laughs> <laughs> january 15th so yeah it looks like it's Easy. looks like we're okay yeah you're absolutely right about compromise i think that's a really good point you know like trying to find that balance yeah, well, you have to. You just, you have to. Because, I mean, they have a side where they're coming from too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So since Flies for yeah, Fins then, I mean, like, where have you, what what kind of, um, like, since starting up Flies for Fins, where have you gone from there in terms of, um, you know, trying to give back? 
Yeah, I sat on the. I've sat on a couple boards. You know, I don't know how valuable I am at the boards. So I do my best and I offer insight when I can. Um, but primarily, if I had to give myself any credit, uh, I mean, money is a thing. I definitely donate a lot of money very quietly, um, where yeah. where I can. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not affluent by any means. But I like when I got married. Rather than asking for wedding gifts, I just asked everyone to write a check to you know to um, Skeena Wild. So little tiny things like that, but. Primarily, I think if I had to give myself any pat on the back, it would be for just offering a voice for the people, like I said, who have the real street cred. So um, the podcast, honestly, the podcast has been everything for me. That and social media has been incredibly helpful um, for getting those messages out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the, what are some of the sort of the, um, like what's the, what's, what, what is it about a podcast that you value um, so much? And what do you think uh, podcasts can kind of offer the fly fishing community? Yeah, great. That's a great question. Um, what I value about them is that it can be honest, open conversations that's not owned by anybody. Hopefully like television, yeah. my ass was owned. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything. Like, I mean, I did what I wanted, but it got edited, edited out. Yeah. You know, I did a whole episode on, 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 on fighting, on fighting, um, when, like when LNG was going down and yep. it literally didn't get used. It got cut. The network was like, nope, not, nobody wants to hear about conservation. <laughs> cut. And I just didn't have a, a say in the matter. Uh, the podcasts, I mean, I guess it depends on everyone and their own sponsorship situation, but no one owns it. Well, I mean, somebody owns it. Meat Eater technically owns it now, but yeah. Um, nobody's going to tell me that I can't talk about a certain thing right. or a certain issue or, or draw attention or have a guest who can really change the world on it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, like total Here's a prime freedom. example. So, yeah, that's right. And like, so here's a prime example. My parents are amazing people, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, they are stuck in, you know, they're old, like they're in, they're, they're, they're a product of their upbringing. Yeah. So we, they don't know much about indigenous people or first nations people, Africa, you know, I mean, um, what, I guess, are you guys calling them first nations in, in Ontario? Yeah. First nations. Yeah. Okay. So the, my, my mom really didn't know anything about them. And I told her that I'd done this podcast with this guy named Spencer Greening. It's my favorite podcast to date because it's so freaking uncomfortable. Like literally you almost cringe. I, yeah, you will. I cringe <laughs> when I listen to it, but I, I asked the really hard questions, like the incredibly not politically correct, almost racist, yeah. super uncomfortable questions that nobody wants to ask. Yeah. And for two hours, we totally hammered out all of these difficult questions. Right. And my mom wanted to listen to it and to watch her sit down with one mindset, yeah. not, not racism, just totally being fed wrong information. Yeah. To have her shut it off and say to me, that was profound. I cannot believe that I've had all of those stereotypes that I thought this, that, and the other thing was true. And, oh, my God, we need to do more with Indigenous people. Like, that meant, that was, like, that was one of the most special moments of my life. Yeah, that's huge. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, like, my my inbox filled up with other people, Mm -hmm. First Nations. That's so weird because, like, to me, they were just always, like, Indians growing up, right? But, like, to have the First Nations... Yeah. And I found out actually that that's not that offensive to a lot of people. Um, yeah, I know there's like anyone is a, there's speculation, and I know yeah. we also uh, I think First Peoples is another one First that's Peoples, come yeah. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, what everybody knows, I'm not good at this whole PC shit. But <laughs> um, my inbox filled up with these incredible people again, but from the community, but from the indigenous community. Yeah. Right. And they were like, um, "We really appreciate you giving us a voice, and you're welcome into our home and into our community." And I got a bunch of that, so. Now all of a sudden I feel like I'm I've been embraced into this this new community right. that again we can work together to do all these great things. So I think podcasts open doors that um, sound bites can't do. Like if if that podcast was turned into sound bites with media, yeah, I would be painted in a totally wrong in the wrong image. Yeah, I would probably be distasteful, or I would look to be distasteful yeah. to. The, uh, the, uh, the, I live part-time in Australia, so I keep wanting to say Aborigines. Yeah, cause yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, what right? yeah. So yeah. to the indigenous community, I might look distasteful, and I wouldn't have doors opened. Yeah. But because the podcast is uncensored, um, I, I can get my message out, and it can really open the doors of communication properly. Yeah, yeah. Where, are there, where else can you get communication or, like, that sort of 
format out there. Television won't give it to you. No, Don't believe no. anything you see on television. That's oh, horrible. Yeah. No, of course YouTube, not. YouTube, right? Yeah. Like, I guess. But like, where else do you get to listen to someone just talk? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and even, their way. Yeah. even on like platforms like YouTube, it becomes tricky because you can have, you know, like, I mean, YouTube is its own, almost like a broadcaster in a way, you know, and then it's just, it's tricky and, I don't know. Like podcasts, you're 100% right. It's like a total free platform to just kind of express and, and talk about real stuff. Yeah. And I mean, there's a danger. And I'm sorry, I'm getting all excited and worked up. So I'm like talking oh, over you guys. It's all but, good. No. You know, it, the thing is, is like, yes, you can be fed wrong information. And I get that. That's the argument is, yeah, but sure. everyone, anyone can do it. And you don't know if what you're listening to is true. Yeah, right. But I understand that that's, that's a very real concern for certain topics. But yeah. uh, for a lot of other topics, that, that, just being able to even hear the the person's voice. Yeah. You can, you know, trust yourself as a human. Like, how do you feel about this person? Do you feel that they're being sincere? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And I think the, I think, you know, instilling like critical thinking into people and, and having people be able to logically think about what they're hearing and, and, and deem whether or not this is like, you know, fact-based um, speculation or is this like just totally made up sort of discourse, then I think that's really where podcasts become interesting, you know, um, giving people the yeah. power to learn themselves, right, you know? Yeah, and then like, you know, if someone does disagree, I get a lot of, not a, I guess I don't get that much um you know, negative feedback. But if somebody were to disagree yeah. or suggest another guest, I get these incredible guest rec- recommendations. And so then I go and meet up with that guest. And then, yeah. you know, we can go at it from that angle. So it's just, I just think podcasts are the ultimate door openers. Yeah, you're yeah. totally right. I yeah. completely agree. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny because it's, it's, we're doing a podcast and you're a podcast host and we're talking about how much we love it. But um, I think all those reasons are 100% true. Yeah. Do you have, I know this is an impossible question, but do you have like a guest that, I don't want to say a favorite guest, but a guest that really stood out to you as, as memorable? I mean, you've done 140 something episodes at this point, eh? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, yes, I definitely have. I mean, most of them stand out to me. You get, you get a bond when you, for me anyway, maybe I'm just sensitive, but I feel a bond. I mean, I, I only do all my shows in person. Yeah. So for me, you know, I usually go in and, spend time with that person first and I go into like a, a handful of I guess I've been in old folks homes right and I'm gonna like I, I must be going to it must be that time of the month or something because I'm getting myself all emotional but like yeah. I'll go into their you know their home and I know that they haven't had anyone visit them in yeah. so long and it means so much to them and yeah. I mean I'll spend eight I've I had one guy I think at Ed Rice's place I was there for like six or seven hours and oh, wow. we went through all of his old photo albums and you know, one of my guests who unfortunately has passed away, Ted Niemeyer, was at his old folks' home all day. And then, you know, we followed up every few months on the phone because I knew no one was there calling. And, like, you just get this this bond because you get an insight into their lives. Yeah. And, and again, because the show is so much about networking, you can really then introduce other people. But I think the guests that have stood out the most as far as, like, their message. If people were scrolling through my show and trying to find the show to listen to, John McMillan's one of my top favorites. He's a steelhead biologist. And so he's one of those guys who deserves all the accolades. You know, he's, he's a real pusher and uh, shaker and he's um, the famous Bill McMillan's son. Oh yeah. uh, Who's also a steelhead biologist. But so uh, John McMillan would be a good, good guest. I think who really means a lot. Um, Joan Wolf. I podcasted Joan Wolf. Who's like my, I just absolutely adore her. So To podcast her meant a lot to me. Um, yeah, I've got definitely got a handful of guests that that you know sit above everyone else. I think so cool. I mean, it's just like again talking about podcast sort of uh, value. It's amazing that we can just speak to these people and, and the guests you've had on your show, and and even thinking about going to the you know the old folks' homes and, and talking to people about their lives. Like that's such a powerful sentiment. Yeah, and you know what I think is the coolest part of it all, and I've been pretty vocal about this in the past. I get out to all these people on social media and they'll listen to a story of an old person who they, they might never have had the time to hear their story before or the opportunity to, to hear their story. And then these old people, I don't know, is there like a PC way of saying old people? My, my <laughs> elders, yeah. you know, our elders. They're too old to Like care. I said, I'm really, I'm so bad at this stuff. Oh, no, it's all but our <laughs> elders don't have access to these young people either. And mm-hmm. so there's a disconnect and it, it's not anyone's fault. Yeah. It just happens. And it's really, really cool with the podcast 
the young people reach out to my older guests That's and so cool. a lot of them have developed relationships and that, I mean, that happens, that happens so often now that it's yeah. like, I can't even count how many times it is so fulfilling it's just a really rewarding feeling yeah that's dynamite i I got to be honest i never even thought about um speaking to guests who were who were uh you know older older i mean at one time we were i know we were really um talking about if i'd be how awesome would it be if we could get lefty cray on the show that'd be Mm -hmm. so amazing um and it's sad that lefty um passed away um he was such an inspiration Mm -hmm. to so many anglers and but you know apart from that i think i think you speaking with people you know in that demographic um who have such amazing stories to tell but just like nobody to tell them to to your point i think it's um i think it's a powerful powerful way to do it well it is because their stories i mean not only did they shape up especially the fly fishing industry to what it is today but um i mean i mean they they really appreciate having someone listen and absolutely and their stories are way more interesting than ours are like oh yeah i you know fanny krieger i honestly totally being honest here I sat down with Fanny Krieger in California because I thought, ah, I'm here in San Francisco on business. I'll meet up with Fanny. She's Mel Krieger's yeah. um, late wife. So, you know, that was really interesting to me. And I thought that I was going to ask her questions about Mel, but I didn't want to, you know, sure. I, I still wanted to hear her story. She ended up having one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. I mean, she escaped from um, from a concentration, or her family was killed in a concentration camp. She narrowly escaped. Yeah. She came into the States. I mean, her story had me on edge. Yeah. And, you know, if, if, if we didn't have the opportunity to hear that story, maybe we'd forever think that Fanny was just Mel's wife. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. You know, and she's not on social media, so. No. Her story's not being told. You know, I mean, that's a really good point is that yeah. podcasts really are just kind of a gateway to, to tell so many stories that otherwise would go, yeah, I, you know. They literally just die off. And I think that it's important for people who want to start the podcast to know that, um, because I see this a lot. I see people trying to get guests who have a following and that Mm -hmm. it actually kind of irks me a little bit when that's everyone's sole focus because it happens a lot because people know, and there's pressure sometimes to do that, to get someone with a lot of following because you're like the the companies who are trying to make money off of the show want that because they know that that person will promote it for you and it will bring in more listeners. Yeah. But you'd be surprised when I look at my stats, the people who have a lot of big following, like it has a small peak, but yeah. not enough to make it worth compromising my integrity. Yeah, people sure. want to hear the stories that aren't well known. And yeah, that person can't promote you on social media, but who cares? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You'll be happy to know that we don't make any money off the show and we <laughs> don't care about our fame at all. And so we're talking to you because we think you're awesome. Thank <laughs> you. Don't make me laugh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, we totally oh, agree. You know, I think I don't think you have to compromise on integrity in order to put out stories that need to be told. And I think Anchor does a great job at that. And um, no, it's amazing. Thanks. Really, really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, it's time. I think we do a segment every show. Uh, it's the same segment. And it's just five questions that kind of just inspire um, some sort of fishing talk. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Mitchie's Fishies Five. My name's Mitch. So it's uh, one of those clever <laughs> titles. I know. Really blowing <laughs> it open. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, Weirdly enough, I know um, no guesses come with the same answers. Really, I mean similar, yeah. but I think they've you know I think it's been pretty interesting. Yeah. I have a little segment too, but we're gonna waver that yeah. for this one and then concentrate on this one because this one's fun. Yeah, Mitchie's Fishies Five. Oh, is, I'm uh, so interested. Hold on, what's yours? I want to hear what <laughs> it Yoda's is. Yoda's is great. It's a new segment. <laughs> yeah, it's a new segment. It's called uh, Factor Fishy, where I come up with uh, fake fishing stories and I mesh them together with real fishing stories, and I have the guest and. Um, uh, Mitch and Aldo guess which ones are fake and which ones are false. True or false? That's really it's just uh, ah. yeah, and and it's fun because then nobody really gets it. I mean, I think Aldo might have gotten one right, you know, but it's interesting because there's some so many extreme fishing stories that could sound fake, you know, um, that are real. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. <laughs> well, I like I like segments, you guys. It sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Segments are great. Okay, okay. So five five questions, same five questions. The first one is what is your favorite fish and why? Steelhead. Yeah. <laughs> and why, um, and why because is that? I really identify with them in so many corny, cheesy ways. Yeah. Like like what? We love Even corny, cheesy where, ways. Oh, uh, well, I was young and wild and free, too. Yeah. You know, and when I was really finding myself, I was steelheading at, like, at a ridiculous rate. 
like every day through winter and summer and fall. And I really found myself while trying to find steelhead and I really just identified as being this crazy wild fish as well, you know, just trying to get upstream and it's really corny, but it's honestly how I felt. And just even at the point now where I just, you know, I just kind of, I, I don't even need to catch them. I just need to see them and know they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of feel the same way with myself. Like I, there was a time when I was younger, I needed to be noticed and I needed to be seen. And, you know, I was a, in my twenties and like, look at me. And now I just don't, you know, like I'm here, but you guys don't really yeah. need to pay too much attention to me. Go back to what you're doing. <laughs> I just kind of, you know, I feel, I just really feel like I identify with steelhead. I love them. Oh man, that's such a great answer. I, I... Yeah, steelhead's also my favorite fish, and it, pretty much exactly for the same reasons. I think that uh, I think that's such a beautiful way of looking at that fish. Thanks. Um, okay, number two. So if you could fish, and I, we know you fished in so many places around the world, you've you've um, you've explored many different rivers and lakes. Um, but if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, assuming it's the best time to go, um, where would you go and why? Part of me wants to stay at home in my front yard. Yeah. <laughs> mm, because it, I'd be close to home. Yeah. But if it was just for the fish, I would be helicoptered and dropped in the middle of the Dean River alone. Oh, nice. That's awesome, yeah. Right into the middle yeah. of the <laughs> Dean. That's pretty cool. Right in the middle of the Dean. Give me a raft in the tent. Old school style. Yeah. <laughs> and what's that? what would that experience kind of be like for you? Like, what's, I mean. What's that? What would that experience be like for you in terms of the nature and the wilderness? Like, what does it feel like to be sort of um, in that sort of environment, do you think? Oh, it's great. I used to do it every year. Um, it's just on hold. I almost did it when I was pregnant, but I was like eight months pregnant, and I just didn't think it was a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just, I take Adelaide everywhere with me, and that is one that is way too dangerous. Yeah, yeah. The Dean? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rugged. We used to get, I mean, I guided there for five years, and then after guiding, Every year after that, I went, I'd helicopter up way, way, way up to the top and then raft down and flipped my raft, almost drowned, and grizzly bears and cougars. It's just like, Jeez. you want to get on your on your toes and remember that you are very, very little on this planet. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I'll just never go. <laughs> no, we should definitely go. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I'll send, yeah, I'll send nobody it to Nobody ever go. Yeah. Don't go. Don't go. Don't You'll go. die. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about um, that location that just, you know, really... Um, gets you going it's wild i need to always feel like i could be just eaten alive by nature so like i'll just stare i was thinking about this the other day actually just driving through chillback looking up at the mountains and i was asking myself like is it the adventure or the opportunity or is it both i just need to always feel like i could get lost somewhere it just brings me back down to earth real fast yeah no that's amazing i feel like uh one of the best things of fly fishing or fishing in general takes you to those types of places, just wild places. Yeah. And I think I crave it now more than ever because I am a mom. And right. there was a time where I was really, I was really quite crazy and <laughs> with my life, I mean, and, yeah. and I think I've got a little bit of sadness now because I know that I, can, I will never be able to do that again. Like, right. obviously I can't take her with me, but even my own, you know, now that I have somebody, and I, I want to be in her life. Yeah. I yeah. can never just go and, be reckless, but right. that reckless, being reckless was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I, I think we all. Yeah. We can attest to that. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So number three, what is your best fishing memory? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. I have so many. I know. Oh, that, damn it. I really <laughs> don't know what to say. Um, First thing that comes to your head. Fishing memory. Yeah, I guess, you know, take your time or um, whatever. Just, I guess this question could also be just like, what is the first fishing memory that comes to mind? <laughs> well, the first fishing memory that comes to mind is actually really quite simple and, and really quite boring. But when I, was, when I was a teenager, my first fishing buddy was this old guy I met on the river. And his name was Dave. And Dave took me to the Stave Lake. We were going to go fish for Dolly Varden. Right. And... I just remember sitting in the boat and like we were running the boat back to the boat launch. I'd had this incredible day. We caught so many fish and just, I had my eyes closed and you know, when your eyes are closed, you can still see all the orange yeah. through your eyes and you can just smell everything. And like, you're just really absorbing it all. Yeah. Um, that was probably my first real moment of 
Like every time when people ask me that question, that's probably the first thing that pops into my mind, but I don't tell them that because it sounds really lame and boring, but that in my head, that's what I think of. And then um, probably anything at home, like I love fishing at home and just knowing that I'm at my place and I worked really hard to be there and yeah, probably. I think that's an awesome nah. memory. It's, I mean, it's yeah, still going to be the lake with the with the sun on my island on my eyelids. Yeah, I love that. Tell you every guest different. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Absolutely. Um, number four. Okay. Um, why do you fly fish? Mm, I don't know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a really. I ask myself that every day. Yeah. And I honestly don't know. If you asked me that five years ago, I would have been able to answer. I'm going through this weird very strange yeah. transition where um, I fly fish because I've always, I feel like I've always said it and I love it and it's relaxing. But sometimes I ask myself, especially because I do eat a lot of meat. It's like, I'm out here to get fish. Why am I doing this? Like grab right. yourself a spinning rod, girl, get this job done and get home. Right. Um, I think I fly fish to prolong the experience right? because I'm enjoying my time outside, but it depends on, it depends on the fishery and if I'm in Australia and I'm there to try to get food home yeah. or if I'm out and trying to find myself again and become grounded and just like take some time to just remember and, and reflect. So right. I think fly fishing is, I do it probably now just to slow down yeah. is probably why I do it. But yeah, I, I question it more and more these days, especially when it comes to catch and release. It's like, why do I do this? Am I being selfish? Does that fish really need to be caught? If you really love steelhead, do you honestly need to catch it? Right. And if you are just doing it to catch one, why are you fly? Anyway, yeah, yeah, I don't know is the answer. I think it's a good answer. I mean, I feel answer. like maybe yeah. there is a lot of people kind of – fly fishing is interesting because it kind of is like um, – I don't know. It kind of makes you think about, uh, about you know, just sort of what you're doing a little bit more maybe than, than just spinning. Like you said, spinning can be very utilitarian, whereas fly fishing is more of like a an experience. Um, so I think that's a great answer, yeah. It's like eating with chopsticks. Yeah. You you have to slow your eating. Yeah. You have to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like the chopstick of fly fishing. Yeah. That's my funny <laughs> analogy for the, nice the fly rod. <laughs> nice. I feel like we go through cycles as anglers. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I I sometimes feel like I went through the graphite thing and then I I really was at the bamboo rods and, yeah. you know, woven leaders and, and old school methods so that I wasn't catching as many fish, but that I was doing it, yeah. um, very historically. Yeah. And then I, and then I kind of was like, well, really, I don't have that much time these days. I'd really rather just catch fish yeah. So that in the time that I have. And then I went back to, um, you know, more cr- conventional methods. And then I feel like that cycle is still going back a bit. But that said, when it comes to steelheading, I have no desire to pick up a bait caster. Oh, really? So, yeah, I just have no desire for it. But again, that's because I'm not there. Oh, I have an answer. Yeah. It all comes down to whether or not I'm trying to keep and, and eat that fish. That is right. really what it comes down to. I think there's a big part of me when I'm out there catch and releasing because I am going through this mega conflict of if I do want to catch and release anymore. Yeah. So I think that when I'm out there fly fishing, there's a big part of me that doesn't necessarily want to catch a fish. And fly right. fishing is kind of like my compromise to be able to be out there, but maybe it won't happen. But when I'm out there gear, like when I'm out there trying to get a fish to take home, I'm going to grab a spinning reel all the way, all the way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, exactly like you said, it is utility. Like it'll get, it'll get the job done, right? Yeah. So this number five, five, the fifth question (laughs) of Mitchie's Fishies is uh, my favorite question. And this question is what fly pattern represents you best and why? love to know what the April Vokey uh, fly is. Um, well, okay. It's changed. Yep. I have two answers. I have one for April Vokey, the girl I've always been. And I've got one for April Vokey mom. So as the girl I've always been, it's Lady Caroline. Because I remember being on the Thompson, being 21, never heard of it, but it had an amazing name. And then... Yep. You know, learning what it was it was so beautiful and romantic and yeah. it's super historical. I love the Lady Caroline, but as a mom, I'd say I probably most identify these days as an egg-sucking leech <laughs> because I literally just need to get in and get the job done because yeah. it's like a circus entertainer. I want to be out there having fun with my daughter and laughing and showing her bright colors and yeah. bright flies and catching fish, and she thinks it's hilarious, and we giggle and we laugh, 
we catch a fish real fast on that and then we go and we do other things. Yeah. So it's, it, it switches depending on if I have a baby on my back. That's, I mean, such an awesome answer. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's hilarious. It's the, duel- <laughs> the duality between growth. It's very cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh-huh. April, I think you're a very special angler, a very special person. It's been absolutely amazing talking to you on the podcast. We just thank you so much for, I know you have a cold and, and you have a baby and it's, it's hard to take time out of your schedule. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for being so patient with me. You guys are amazing. I can't believe that you hung on this long to travel. <laughs> no, it's, it's been great. And, um, yeah, maybe one day our, our paths will cross. We'd love to make it out to BC, but, um, yeah, until then, we wish you so much success on Anchored and and um, and fishing, and of course with uh, with uh, Adelaide. Thank you. Well, likewise, except for not with Adelaide. And <laughs> um, when that day does come, if it does come, I will be here when you have parenting going, you know, kids going fishing questions because I've got a lot of answers for you. Amazing. Yeah, it's going to happen. I think I'm going to be the first. I don't know these guys are slow, <laughs> and I'm old. How old are you guys? I'm 37. I'm 37. You know that, uh, well, no, actually, I think, am I 36 or 37? I don't know. I never remember how old I am, but I'm one of them. And it's like geriatric. They call that being a geriatric parent nowadays. Yeah, it's true. I I get called baby boomer at the office. Yeah. Because I work in the ad industry and you have to be young. Poor young. Apparently, Uh, I'm young. Don't don't be in a hurry. My husband's 47. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's great. There's yeah, it's not like it's not like you're in inside matter. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> as far as being geriatric, so you yeah. just take your time. Thirty seven is still really young. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, my girlfriend is thirty two, so there you go. I think we're good. <laughs> there you go. Well, you guys, thank you so much. Let me know um, if you if I can do anything to help when this is ready, and um, yeah, let me know when you come to BC because I would I would be more than happy to give you some pointers or if you're in my region, meet up for a beer or something. Come over for campfire. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Absolutely. And um, we totally will. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much again, April, for coming on. And um, have a good one. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Yilma, put your headphones on, baby. We're back. Um, That was a fantastic podcast with April. Like, again, April, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was uh, full of information. It was a lot of fun talking about, um, you know, podcasts and just talking about, I guess, just sort of what... um, what it means to be a fly fisher in, in the industry and, and how it's our responsibility to take care of things and push the conversation forward. If you haven't checked out April's podcast, please give it a listen. It's anchored with April Vokey. Um, I'll post the uh, link in the show notes on SoundCloud um, and you can find it on our website. Um, shout out to 40 Creek. We've been drinking some 40 Creek whiskey during the show. Oh yeah. Shout out to 40 Creek. It's uh premium bear select. Delicious. delicious. Yep. Um, and um, yeah, if you want to um, find anything uh, that has to do with April Vokey, you can go to aprilvokey.com, A-P-R-I-L-V-O-K-E-Y.com, and you can find out um, everything that April's doing with her podcast, with um, with her blog, and, and all kinds of stuff like that. Yelma, how's it going, baby? Oh, great. This has been a great episode. Um, very fortunate. I learned a lot, and, uh, you know, it's 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 made me think about a couple things differently, So, which is great in terms of conservation. So I'm very glad that uh, we had this wonderful guest on for this this. Yelma, what trips do you got coming up? Because we're going to Indiana in July, but Yelma and Aldo, you guys are going to Muskoka? Yeah, so Muskoka this weekend. And um, so by this weekend, it's June 15th, and the podcast is out. You guys are in Muskoka right now with Rob from Drift Outfitters. Exactly. What are you doing? Uh, we're going to be um, shooting some content for Muskoka Brewery. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an event where a lot of other vendors are going to be there to, um showcasing their products and you know soulfly is going to be there doing some casting lessons there's going to be a band there's going to be food it's just going to be great things and then every year uh, muskoka puts this on the day before the father's day um just to kind of bring everybody together in that region and uh, we're going to be we're lucky enough to be a part of that and make that nice content. Uh, yeah, but there's great. no fishing because bass fishing isn't open yet yeah it's no fishing uh, when does bass fishing open baby? but bass opener is next the following Holy weekend and geez. we're going to buckshot whoa um and that is that is a lake where mitch and his family has their beautiful cottage on so we're going to go there and and um catch some large mouth and small mouth you betcha uh the size of my face bet your butt cheeks and for you guys great. who don't know that no the size of my face it is huge it's going to be sick. <laughs> I can't wait to go, man. Bass fishing. Bass fishing. Bass opener opens this weekend. Coming up June uh, 23rd weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're going to go to Buckshot and catch a bunch of bass and yeah. post a video about it and uh, 
Yeah, the most most of most importantly, have some fun in the water with yeah. a couple of buds. Yeah, we're just gonna have some fun. Take it easy, you know. We're working really hard here in this advertising industry in Toronto. Well, I'm working hard. I don't know about you. I'm working. I work very hard. Yeah. Yeah. I see you over there on your Instagram. <laughs> That's working. We're gonna have to half uh, our media is like on Instagram. No, it's true. We are working hard, y'all. We're gonna have a good time that weekend, man. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Um, okay, so everybody listen at home. You can find our stuff at SoFly.ca. You can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and um, thank you so much for listening. And, and again, thank you so much to April for coming on the show. It was truly legendary. Mm-hmm. That's it for me, Mitch Yilma. Hey, I'm out. See you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening and peace. Did you <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, it's the mark the end of the show. <laughs> oh, my God.